it left a sour taste. I thought they took advantage of them. They knew it was a grant and they just stuck equipment in. So we kind of flipped that and disrupted the industry where most equipment companies were pushing as much equipment into gyms as possible. Whereas I'm like, you do not need that. You know, floor space is your biggest asset. Um, and like, actively still tell like gilly clubs or rugby clubs like don't buy so much equipment equipment's not the answer get a decent coach in here hello and welcome to episode number 28 of for fit's sake the podcast brought to you by fs gyms this week myself and ruds are in belfast we're in the titanic quarter and we're joined by gregory bradley greg how are you doing very good yeah guys very welcome so thanks for coming up to belfast Thanks for having us. We're in Black Box's headquarters in the Titanic Quarter. Um, we did a nice session. Rudds, you took myself and Craig through a session this morning to test some of the lads' equipment. It was good fun. Oh, it was amazing. Um, I was saying to Greg when I was walking through the door, just got pumped up at the setup. It's like an NFL kind of gym. It, it was really cool. And then uh, we got a session done, which is a big bonus. I thought it was going to be all bench pressing and chins, but we did like 20 minutes of plyos to warm up to test out your tracks. It was, I was slightly disappointed we didn't get straight into the racks, but we got there eventually. <laughs> yeah, no, well, very welcome and uh, glad you enjoyed the session as well. Yeah, thanks a million for having us up. The, the kind of big reason we want to come up with, obviously, was um, we've been building a bit of a relationship with you guys between the fit out and a couple of gyms. Um, and what we've been most impressed over the last couple of years is to see how your company has grown and a lot of what we talk about on the podcast is growth and development with people whether it's their fitness journey their life their business whatever it might be so we think you're a perfect guy to have on a podcast really to talk us through your journey over the last couple of years as well as what you're doing and um i know ruds is absolutely fascinated walking through the warehouse in terms of how the equipment's manufactured and how it gets from point a to point b where our clients will ultimately end up using the product so i suppose the best point to start is when you and i first met maybe <laughs> early early 2013 or late 2012 would that sound about right probably yeah it was in around that that date yeah probably you came down, I remember you came down late one evening, uh, you were probably, how many How many guys were in the company at that stage? From three, I think, I believe, yeah, so. Um, how many have you got now? Uh, on Monday, I believe it'll be about 35, I think, we have two new hires starting, so, um, yeah, we've, we've grown quite aggressively, probably more so over the past year, 18 months, but, um yeah, a very different company from uh, 2012 or 2013 and um, yeah, obviously had a few teething problems and quite frankly probably bit off more than could chew. Um, but the big thing I think is for me is kind of righting any wrongs that we, we do. Um, thankfully we probably now have got to that stage where they're there's definitely not any more episodes like uh, <laughs> yeah. 2012. I, you're, you're giving a prelude to hear what happened, so I'll, I might as well just tell people. But uh, it was, I think, you came down. We were getting the flooring done. We we had a guy. You guys were you, you weren't manufacturing as much equipment back then. You were more more retailing, wasn't it? Yeah, just drop shipping essentially. Yeah. So we had a guy. We had this crazy guy. Rods. Remember, uh, Mick built the the racks. Uh, yeah. like just a, a great guy really really good guy but like so intense loves his training he was you know he'd make anything we wanted and he was so passionate about it so he knocked up all our racks that we they're still standing today so thanks for those Mick if you're listening uh, you guys can to do the flooring and I remember we were under serious pressure because we'd lined up the, the Leinster guys to come in and do a session which was going to be huge for us from a marketing point of view and we didn't want to let the guys down when we organised the session so I remember I think you rang me I was in I was just after training in Bective and you were like look I'm not going to be down until, until Monday 
I was like, you've got to get, get down tomorrow and get it done. You came down, I think you were there till maybe two, three o'clock in the morning on your own, trying to lay the Probably floor. Probably later, yeah. I think the, basically we were subcontracting installations out at that stage and the guy let, let us down, so I had to. Um, yeah, that's what I kind of joke with clients now is you don't want to see me anywhere near an installation <laughs> because it's not where my skill set lies. But, I mean, it, yeah, it was a big lesson and even W10, the, one of the gyms behind you, we don't was quite a similar episode um, but we've done four or five gyms and he's probably one of the guys that refers the most business to us um, now but yeah from me from Black Box perspective we've heavily invested we have a team of five installers now don't rely on subcontractors because yeah just didn't work and was a, a Her, steep Her, learning Herbie curve. and the other guys yeah, yeah the I mean, Connor used to do it to be honest some of us still do go on, on installs and we probably will uh, have to heading into our busiest period um, but yeah we have a, now a team and uh, thankfully they um, do a much better job than back in 2012 <laughs> well we got there and the, the, you know we were delighted in the end but it was good, it was good for, I just remembered seeing I was like Jesus this guy like the work ethic that you had to come down I think you were there it was a Friday evening, I think, and it was you were there all night. And uh, I think I came in early the next morning. You could have still been there. Like, I can't even remember. It was just, it was madness. You were back doing off cuts the next morning. So it's kind of one of those things that you get to see people rolling up their sleeves is pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, still a few flashbacks. Of <laughs> <laughs> Your hands shredded from the Stanley blade. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, and then you look at exactly what you have around you now. Um, like how from from us we're very interested in um we were at the, the pundit arena awards the pundies uh one of our media partners and they talked about their day their, their five-year birthday this year and you know it's like everybody who's running a business or starting a company or working for themselves we all seem to go through the same things the same roller coasters all the time it's very interesting to get different perspectives on it i think the big thing is seeing you things you can relate to so the guys were talking about the when they flew over to see Colin McGregor and they just had to take a chance on that thing uh, and they did it and it paid off big for them so for ourselves that Leinster session for us taking a chance on that and then putting in all that investment but that was probably a big turning point for our business yep um, and you see those things in other people's stories and you can really relate to them and go oh that was like that time when things change for us and did you guys have a big moment obviously when it was efp gyms to to get into where you're at now which like a lot of your business is in is ireland the uk is i see you're doing stuff in the middle east as well yeah we do with a distributor in uh, dubai we're doing a big project for the swiss rowing federation um yeah well, i guess some potentially projects in australia um i don't know if there necessarily was one kind of job you know i even think getting the GA Centre of Excellence or working with Arsenal or some of these, you think, oh, this is going to change, but not not one project will kind of change the, the business. But yeah, I think similar to you guys, I mean, look, very much work in progress. Uh, we have an internal mantra here at Black Box, kind of we're a perpetual work in progress and we kind of, one of our values is everyone needs to make the company better every day. So we've kind of got a, relatively unique culture here young team and you know we are still learning we make mistakes on a daily basis and it's just you know dealing with those and obviously catching them potentially before you know 
the clients ever see so it's a hectic place you know behind the scenes but um yeah obviously you want to present that kind of well you're doing a great job today because it seems very calm so far <laughs> yeah now well i mean i think it'll ramp ramp up uh, as soon as off. we leave yeah but uh now it's good for you guys to come and see i mean we we have just doubled our, our space here and we had a chat offline and that brings its own headaches you know when you've doubling and there's just stuff that you just can't even see but you just need to roll with the punches and uh yeah i think business sometimes can be a little bit people can be romanced by it thinking that it's you know work when you want type thing and yeah that's not normally the reality look when your clients tell you to work is realistically how it works out yeah one thing i'd really be interested to ask you so growing from three people to coming up to now 35 yeah and one of the things you touched on was values and culture that's something i think is so important for getting people to work together in a cohesive team is having an understanding of this is our purpose these are our values these are our habits and getting buy-in when you were putting down your values as a company was it something that was dictated from the top or was it a case where a few people had input and then you settled on something yeah i I mean i do think some of these bigger companies google's linkedin etc a lot of them almost retro netflix the culture deck etc i mean we do have value so it's kind of still something it's something that evolves very much it's not set in stone and it's definitely not top down as well um something we talk about again in, in black box and i would like to take credit for this but i didn't come up with it is the difference between your job and your role so I'll give you an analogy of a, a footballer there's um you know your role is uh, to be a defender um but sometimes your job is like to make the team win or if you work for a company your job is to make the company better but your role sometimes can contradict what your job is so we have this kind of your job via your role so like sometimes our sales team are down in the warehouse helping getting the orders out so that's going against what their job is to bring in sales but equally it's making the company better so they're doing their job um that's something it's a guy actually fred kaufman uh, who used to be the VP of uh, leadership at LinkedIn, really smart guy, got a book called Conscious Business and a couple of other ones. Um, but yeah, look, we've made one or two hires previously that maybe potentially culturally, I mean, yeah, hiring's a fascinating experience, I guess, that people are yeah. your least predictable asset. And I mean, yeah, we probably still get it wrong with hiring. I, you can only take people at their face value, what they're saying, and you know, people. Yeah, maybe a cliche of like uh, hire slow, fire fast, but it is true. Um, and we're trying to move quick, um, and sometimes you know you need to make quick decisions and and don't get it right. But we're still learning. Um, but I do believe in values, mission definitely it's it's a very important thing but i i don't know if i uh <laughs> answered your question no no there, it's spot on yeah i was just interested because i do a lot of reading and that Rod, be, Rod's reads a lot he makes us look bad all the time and that would be one of the things that i've read a lot on is creating values creating cultures creating mission statements and you'd read a book from Mark Devine and his his way of doing it would be different from Simon Sinek's yeah. and is I'm always interested to speak to people as leaders how they're doing it is it a case of 
this is what our values are or is it a case of guys what do you want our values to be and it's interesting for you to you say that your values um, change and are more fluid because uh, that's something I experienced in my own self so when we started the business I would have taken responsibility from learning a lot of these things going Roy I think this stuff will really help us going forward this is what I think the value should be based on what I've read and then we implemented them but they've changed over the last two or three years and have evolved as the business has evolved because at the end of the day a value is only worth what the actions are put into place so like you said about someone coming and doing an interview they might tell you their values but the real money is the actions do do, are you walking your why you say you why but are you walking that every day and if you are then these values carry weight so i was just interested to hear your process do you look at that when you're talking like it's something that people can carry over to not just business but generally identifying traits in people to have to surround yourself with the type of people you want to be around we talk about it a lot any environment that you're in you should be around people who are going to make you better and not drag you down and that can be as simple as somebody who just has a positive mindset to be around that makes you puts you in a better mood instead of drags you down if they're complaining all the time so like the when you look at those things when you're hiring people in your business do you sort of hire on their traits more so like what you what the vibe you get for the person you know what you think about them opposed to what they've got on paper yeah 100 percent. like interviewed did a lot of interviews this week interviewed a guy and he had a first class honors um from loughborough i think and i was like congratulations but that means nothing to me you know big thing is like we want you uh them to want to be here as number one and be dedicated to our mission and i mean look further education hugely important for um but it's not the be all and end all um so definitely i always look at culture and even internally some people ask like oh what's the strategy of black box and i'm we have a loose strategy but again like execution is hugely important um also culture is probably more important than actual having this fancy strategy um but look it's a say still learning i'm only 30 feel feel a bit older but (laughs) and i admit to the team you know like this every day is still a very steep learning curve and do make mistakes we'll hold hands up and like we're going in for a huge tender that will probably be for eight to ten years and it quite frankly has probably brought some opportunity costs because it's been a probably a year-long process to get to this stage you know even from a business development point of view or even internally just to staff morale because been so focused but again i've been transparent with the staff and said look this only comes up it's like the olympics or even worse we need to throw the kitchen sink at this and quietly confident we're going to get it but uh yeah maybe in the show notes you can update if we do get it i I, I nearly started laughing there because i just saw craig did you see that uh, coming to the top of the monkey bar in the mirror behind us we're looking out on the Um, the gym showroom here so sorry if i was smirking that was the story was relevant uh like i I kind of the thing then that would be very interesting is when like you guys went from exactly that that three-person team all the way up to that 30 the 35 man team that you have now like and you've acquired more space we got to walk over to where the all the kits manufactured is that reflected change much in terms of how you deal with your clients like what's the when we come to meet you what's your ethos in terms of 
getting us at FFS what we want to have at the end of the day has that changed much since the start no to be honest that's one thing that's probably has always changed and I, you know I know everyone talks about their values being being ethical like uh, that's the reason I started the company initially initially was my club Gaelic club got a grant for a gym and I know the industry's evolved away from machines but the company sold them this was eight or nine years ago they sold them like a leg press treadmill cross trainer and quite frankly I it left a sour taste I thought they took advantage of them they knew it was a grant and they just stuck equipment in so we kind of flipped that and disrupted the industry where most equipment companies were pushing as much equipment into gyms as possible whereas I'm like you do not need that you know floor space is your biggest asset um, and like actively still tell like Gaelic clubs or rugby clubs like don't buy so much equipment equipment's not the answer get decent coaching here and from a business perspective as well like I've had personal trainers coming in and they've told me what they want to do and rightly or wrongly some of them I've said I do not think you should do this you know they're trying to recreate a, a big box gym like a, a Flyfit or a DW and do a smaller version of it yeah. with better service and it's like look I'm sorry this is not gonna work and obviously you guys have done well with what you're doing it's very different to what you know some of the and Flyfit's a great company and some yeah. of these other but it's, it's very different so for me it's you know and there's never a you need more kit um but i do think on the flip side there is a you do need to invest a certain amount you know you can't some people build too much failure into their business by cutting corners maybe not having nice changing rooms or you know but equipment doesn't bring people through the door and i see people like and i'm not criticizing because we sell a lot of Elico, etc but like Elico or the best brands in the world yeah. are not going to bring uh people in through the door well they may bring them in initially but they're not going to last them you know it's a service business um so like equipment i think it's a very small part um but it's always about putting the client's needs at the center of it um, and we're very flexible like we work with numerous sometimes we'll sell some of that say a competitor's brand because it's the right solution um, for them so yeah extreme flexibility is hugely important does cause some headaches uh, you know but it I think it's the right thing to do. I think that's what sort of attracted us to come to you as as a company to start because that, that message has seemed quite clear throughout the last five years. So like when we contacted you first, did our first gym, um, I think was it that treadmills get you nowhere? Is oh, that t-shirts, the, yeah. Yeah, like I saw that and I was like, because myself and Rudd started yeah. planning on how we were going to build a gym. Um, we didn't know, like we didn't have a clue. We knew like from training with sports teams what we thought would be cool. But most of the gyms that we trained in were commercial gyms or the gym in college that was, it had it had bits of everything. We didn't know what we wanted, but I remember from kind of speaking to you uh, and you've seen the space and you gave us a really good indication of what would actually work. Um, it was very useful and it's pretty good for people. We get a lot of people that email us and want to have a chat about setting up their own gym or their own personal training studio or a garage gym in their house. And they're, they send us a list of what they have and on it is three or four treadmills straight away. Um, you know, and like it's it's huge power racks instead of, you know, quarter racks that can fit up against a wall and give you space on the floor to do more bodyweight work or whatever it is. So I thought that was kind of one of the big reasons that attracted us to come to, come to you guys at the start was 
you have that understanding of what you know what clients need and i'm wondering was the treadmills get you nowhere sort of a dig at the guys who bang the treadmills into your club is that where that came from kind of was and look i yeah i mean everything has a place but again i work off a, a hierarchy and if you're on a budget you know the treadmills and the you know the other specialist equipment is the last thing that, that people need. Um, must dig that, that t-shirt out. But um, I mean, we still do sell treadmills to certain markets, but it's not the uh, the be all and end all um, for sure. You talk about that transition from you know nine ten years ago, the fitness industry being more machine based from more of a heavy bodybuilding aspect to now it's transitioning to a lot more functional fitness and even I'd imagine. For you guys, what you'd be building as opposed to 10 years ago has changed a lot. Yep. What do you see coming down the road in terms of, do you see any trends or transitions coming over the next 10 years? <laughs> the million dollar question. You don't um, want to give it away to all your competitors, you know, yeah? Honestly, I'm very principle based and that's, you know, what, what we do. Ultimately, I don't feel it's going to change drastically. Obviously, look, we and I think that's from a positioning perspective as a company I mean we do like corporate we do professional sport but the business was built on looking after small business owners like yourselves that maybe had 10 15 20,000 pound every penny or cent counts um and so for me you know space is everything like equipment I don't really majorly see and like we I, we do have strict core values i.e we're not going to sell something gimmicky just to make a quick buck that is just not ever going to happen well you don't you don't have anything gimmicky down there no i mean like yeah there's not a ball soup ball i mean or anything well yeah. the only the only thing is the monkey bars i'm looking at i don't know how anyone's gonna how big is that we're looking at a is that three, four squat racks together with the monkey bars? Three, yeah. So we're doing a lot of work with Gym Box, who'd be kind of the one of the leading high-end gym chains in, in London. So we're, we're doing a number of them across their estate as well. Monkey bars, to be honest, I have a... a, a there's no just one-size-fits-all. Like monkey yeah. bars, they're fun and stuff. Yeah. How often do you actually use them? And again, if you're on a tight budget, I'm like, look, monkey bars are not the, the right solution here. But... Look, if you want something a bit unique, go for it. It's interesting because from our perspective, the monkey bars in the gym we have are one of the best things that we have because we can get sort of eight people chinning off them at once. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of, it's even interesting to see what suits different people. And that's why it's important. Like, you know, Connor that you have here does a lot of work with us coming down and seeing what we need all the time. So he's a very good understanding of, you know, what mightn't traditionally suit a lot of places could actually be a very good cost-effective solution as well, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, the one thing I say to people when they're opening a gym is like, like actually have a think what you need and for your clients as opposed to just copycat and yeah. me too's, you know, there's an obsession. We all love Joe DeFranco and Cressy's, yeah. Mike Boyle's, etc. But, you know, don't just copy these places because, you know, like Mike Boyle brought him to Ireland many years ago and like over 50% of his business business comes from general public and this is you know the number one or one of the most famous snc coaches in the world um who requires the general public he can't live off work training pro athletes but yeah, it's very much getting having to think about you know like do you actually need two to 50 kilo dumbbells because most of your clients aren't going to be able to lift over 30 or 40 kilo yeah. um, and that's where they get expensive as well <laughs> they are yeah dumbbells are and hearing like a few of the things you said um, 
from a training standpoint, for me as a trainer, being principle based, I think that's really important because that helps you to have a filter straight away. So when you're coming in and looking at the kit, you're saying, well, these are the core things I believe. Say, for instance, I want to get someone stronger. I want to get someone moving better. I want to get someone where they can increase their capacity of various movements. So straight away, when I'm coming in your showroom and I'm looking around, I'm going, the barbells are going to work really well for my clients. The racks to do chins are going to work really well. The kettlebells are going to work really well because that's resistance, but I can also do conditioning with that. So I think it's really important for us as trainers to have a set of principles with our training because then that helps you to filter and pick the things that are going to be important to you. And the other thing is it helps you to maybe filter out some of the things that might be really popular now, but they're going to change in a year, two years. Those new popular pieces of equipment are going to change. Yeah, definitely. It's the same. I can't remember where I read it, but like strong views loose, loosely held. I mean, yeah. some of my viewpoints have, have changed. Um, again, I'll be transparent. Initially, CrossFit five, six years ago, you know, I didn't want to go all in on it. And, you know, because that's one thing is like I see some equipment companies and other even gyms, etc. They're just jumping from one fad to the next. Whereas, you know, we're principle based. CrossFit has a place, functional fitness has a place, bodybuilding has a place, and you know, like all these methodologies work, but you know, we're not gonna ever just get pigeonholed as, you know, and look, everyone has a bias too, you know, like some people prefer weightlifting, some people prefer powerlifting, and look, I was saying to you, I like yoga and meditation's my kind of number one focus and training obviously is important as well but we're not going to just be there's never one size fits all um perspective i think it's, it's actually great to hear you say that because when we met to talk about it and um, we talked about it i think the very first podcast when we myself and Rudd's over a nice burrito sort of planned our future we didn't realize what we were doing at the time but we talked about crossfit crossfit was really popular um it's kind of six years ago we started having the first conversations about the gym and CrossFit was a really big thing at the time and we were both kind of like CrossFit was very much in the conversation like will we open a box uh, and it was exactly that we we had all these ideas written down and when we talked about our principles like what do we want this gym to be what are we really passionate about what do we want to coach people mm-hmm. what do we want to coach people in uh, and one of the big things that we said was exactly that we'd never get tied in to any fad for lack of a better word i'm not saying crossfit's a fad at all but i'm saying we'd never get tied into one thing we use crossfit elements in our training we use bodybuilding elements exactly like you're talking about we we tie in some meditative elements at the end of our conditioning sessions and we as kind of like the masters of our own destiny have the options to pick and choose as long as we do our research and our due diligence we can employ those bits for our clients in any of our group training at any time and that's i think that's been a really big thing for us with the, the evolution of our business one of the conversations we had before we started the podcast was i was telling you about the learnings i had over the last five years as a trainer so when i first came in i maybe was more fixed on what i was doing yeah. and over the last two or three years i've become much better at being empathetic to the person i'm training and understanding that their training or nutrition isn't top of their priority list and even for me as a person training used to be my number one thing yeah. now it's tripped tipped down to number two or number three in my priorities for my life yeah. so as a result the way my training has changed because my priorities have changed so if you're looking at that we were saying we don't want to be tied down to just one methodology we want to be able to pull from all because even 
there's going to be certain people who are more into cardio training. There's going to be certain people who are more into weight training. Even in weight training, certain people are going to be more into pure upper body work, aesthetics. Other people are going to be into more functional fitness. But that can even change on a personal level. So the person you were when you were 20 and your priorities and your training interests is going to be different from the person when you're 30. So you might your methodology might totally change in those 10 years. So being flexible and being able to accommodate to that, um, I think is important. I like that strong views loosely held is a, is a nice yeah, way of putting it. Mark Andreessen, the guy that created um, the original browser. He's a guy in Silicon Valley. Um, but I think, it, yeah, it was a quote from him. But yeah, look, I, I do believe it's a, a mindset as well. You know, again, kind of... Um, quote we use here is about the importance of farming as opposed to to hunting you know we're not looking to make a quick buck here you know look there's easier businesses to make quick money um this is a long-term commitment here and similar to you guys um like yeah amazon or our new neighbors next door um good company yeah, I mean, well, to be honest, we were meant to be taking that space, so they're taking it for one year, and then we're taking it over, but uh, again, you know, we're, it's a long-term thing, you know, we're just improving every area of the business, and as you alluded to, we're very much a different company than we were a year ago, and we will be a completely different company in a year's time, and just having that mindset, and, you know, there is days where <laughs> you want to just curl up and maybe not do it but you just need to keep going um that actually leads me on nicely to kind of my next question is what what is next for you guys is it kind of where you're at now where it's like you know you're obviously i didn't kind of say that start but you guys manufacture pretty much all your own equipment and when i say equipment i'm talking racks frames storage units that's bespoke stuff for facilities yeah i guess we probably didn't touch on it uh, creation transparency is hugely important it's very much you know even with coffee 3fe some of these places people want to know where their products are coming from so for me quite proud of our sort of heritage uh, albeit we're still you know six-year-old company only started manufacturing in 2014 um but we're in titanic quarter environments hugely important um somewhere between and it varies depending but about 30 to 40 percent of what our sales comes from what we manufacture and we don't try and pull the wool over people's eyes you know kettlebells some of the hex dumbbells etc they come from asia taiwan some products come from europe uh most of our flooring comes from uh, america but our steel products come from Belfast um, as you've seen earlier you know we've six welders over there powder coating we're always keen to keep increasing our manufacturing uh, footprint uh, both creating jobs as well uh, with Brexit and some of this other crazy stuff you just do not know it's a different podcast <laughs> um, look I'm not an expert in that area but again it's just having a mindset that like Personally, it's not an ideal situation, but you have to have that mindset of there's potentially going to be opportunities and you just need to be ready um, to take advantage of them. One thing I'd like to touch on maybe um, would be if you think of in your journey going from three to 35 uh, members of your team, obviously the, you said there's certain days where you want to curl up and not do it or there's stressful times and... Um, when we were chatting before, you were saying meditation is your number one thing in the morning. Uh, I'd like to ask you 
uh, one why you're doing it and then two just to give some insight into how because i've heard different people have different ways of doing it so just to give people who are listening who may be interested in meditation one why you're doing it and two how are you doing it yeah look and um, we were talking about values your values almost dictate your actions i feel and quite frankly that look my number one obsession is this business um it, everything else rightly or wrongly kind of comes second to the the business and i do it to probably one sort of make me a better leader probably a nicer person um i think the main reason people don't maybe stick with meditation it's quite hard to actually see tangible results um but i mean it's something on and off i have done for a couple of years my current routine i was just saying is um gonna get up would do quick flow of yoga um then 15 minutes meditation cool showers getting into um was that a wim hof uh, workshop not that long ago um and then we do maybe 45 minutes in, in the gym uh i've changed that initially the gym used to come later in the the day um because work was like my number one priority and everything was coming after it um but i look i don't like pushing you know my beliefs onto anyone but i strongly would encourage anyone i mean there's numerous apps out there headspace the current one i'm using and i don't normally use apps i normally would uh just listen to, to music or not use anything but uh, waking up sam harris podcast or uh, app he also has his own podcast is quite good um but yeah i think it is you know very important even for focus perspective um and yeah it just almost slows down time as well because like you know three months of your life or six months could just go without even knowing so i think it it helps that way do you find with that sort of morning routine uh, I know like Ben Berger talks a lot in his podcast about like emails and like exactly like that if you're going straight into that work environment emails distractions do you find that once you get your training in and you get your head clear that is there obviously you're going to be more productive that's that's science that's fact like when you get your training you can be more productive endorphins release but do you find even like mentally I've got this really small niggle in the back of my head that's just like you need you need to train you need to do something you haven't trained yet you might miss your session do you find do you have do you have anything like that is that in your personality I, I do I'm not really a morning although I get up at like 4.45 or 5am every morning I'm not a morning person and since I've albeit I've only I used to train early in the morning a couple of years ago but I'm back into it now I just think it makes you a slightly happier uh, nicer person to be around um, but that mightn't work again for some other people it might not work um, yeah I was reading Matthew Walker's uh, Why We Sleep have you read that book yeah, yeah. just said it to me yesterday it's on my uh, audible list now yeah. yeah or even like if you just google or podcast search his name I mean it's quite scary some of the um statistics about sleep as well so yeah look I'm not preaching too much because I definitely abuse that and I'm sure you guys too as well but yeah look to you know perform long term you do need to look after yourself Um, so yeah meditation or yoga is good I think as well the idea you said about the work in progress I see a lot of people when it comes to meditation when it comes to sleep when it comes to self-care is that idea that you have to be perfect straight away so with meditation as the example so try and quiet your mind but instantly you're going to have loads of thoughts come through your mind mm-hmm. and 
in the view of someone who maybe gives up meditation a little too easy, they're failing at meditation. But on the Headspace app, um, it talks about the idea of a sheep and the sheep wanders off and then you bring it back to the pen. And that's the point of meditation. Your mind's going to wander. Just keep bringing it back to the pen. That's the idea as opposed to having a completely quiet mind because I've spoken to one or two people about it who train with me. And they go, I can never get my mind to go quiet. And I'm like, there's people who are Buddhist monks who do this like 10 times a day, dedicate their whole life to it for 20 years, and they might get that moment of enlightenment. So for you to have that expectation that you're going to get (laughs) it because you've listened to an app for 10 days, you're going in that to that with a completely unrealistic expectation. So that's the reason why you're not sticking with it. Just like training, someone going into the gym and going, I'm going to row you know, a three minute 1k. But that's not a realistic expectation for someone who's starting training. Why not just go in and just row for three minutes full stop? Yeah, Yeah. just row the 1k no matter what time it is and then try and get that a little bit better next week and the week after. Oh yeah, it's uh, I'm probably going to butcher and uh, I probably have mentioned a few. I, quotes, I'm just I'm but, writing little notes here. I'm going to have to change all these references. They're probably all wrong. <laughs> it's, it's that one of, and that's probably the biggest thing. You know, like I personally think i am pretty stupid um but like showing up just like i show up every day and you know for work and that has probably been you know i've just collapsed time work probably 100 hours a week if not more and you know like i definitely don't feel i'm an intelligent person i just have just like at the start i graduated from uni I probably was unemployable i didn't want to go work for someone else but like since that day i have just shown up like yes there's been a few times went on a, a holiday or two took a few days off but the vast majority is just like showing up and i don't want to push this whole kind of gary vanerchuk kind of like works everything because i to be honest i hate that bullshit but i think you do need to like be prepared i mean even if it's aside from business you know going to the gym like do something as opposed to you know saying that I'm, I'm too tired or and yes there is times where you need to maybe do it but like meditation just do it every day um yeah, yeah. I, think I, think, really... I think that's great advice just show up yeah. I, I think that's unbelievable advice for meditation if you just keep showing up for it, you're going to get better at it. Yeah, like there's another good app, uh, 10% Happier, which is Dan Harris, not Sam Harris. Um, and I like it because especially for that type A type personality, maybe he was an anchor on um, CNN or one of the American shows. But his is quite good as well. It's quite, especially maybe for guys, you can relate to it um, because some of the other meditation ones can be a little bit wishy-washy. Um, but I would, would check that out. Um I forgot my point of mentioning. No, 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 that's, that's a great tip. F- f- like great advice, and like you're just kind of we'll try and wrap up the podcast because you're an incredibly busy guy. You don't want to eat into too many of your hundred hours this week. If you had to give somebody who's designing, because uh, it's a question we get asked all the time in the gym. Obviously, we've given pe- people good advice if looking at starting their own gyms, understand what their clients want, what you want to coach, and then build your sort of gym around that that ethos. What about people who say have five grand? want to build a home gym, have a room no bigger than this, so kind of five metres by two and a half, three metres, what would be your best advice to those people? Uh, look, we have this kind of pillars of performance, which we talk about, and flooring is, is number one. So, you know, 
foundation get that right you know have a decent floor in there um home gyms is always a funny one we do a lot like ceo of google uh ireland uh, and then or any high net worth uh individuals and then the the wives are always they don't like the flooring because it's maybe not bright and colorful so obviously we do have higher end flooring nice gray shades etc but look flooring again space you, you know kettlebell if you can get some version of a, a rig or a rack in there um i mean for three four thousand pound you can have a a very good gym but like, we don't really do packages because i don't believe that there is a one size fits all um and there's some great products coming out to be honest i'd be tempted have you guys seen peloton have you heard of yeah peloton? the bike the bike yeah, yeah but then they've the software as a service yeah. and the, the back end very I mean, cool yeah yeah like i mean and that's something where potentially again i haven't uh, decided with the whole wearable tech I do think something that you know the smart technology that maybe could bring a little bit of accountability if they can't have a personal trainer the next best version is maybe someone there kind of encouraging so we're doing a little bit of blue sky um, stuff there but yeah like I keep it simple keep it principle based you know if you only have if you only have couple of hundred it probably would be kettlebells and bands you yeah. know if you've a bit more we can add some more kit in um but hey, it's interesting about the tech i saw is that is on one of the racks downstairs is that an ipad mount on on the rack that's kind of you can be used for a software there yeah well we've actually done a lot of all the provinces irfu as well we put on the ipad racks so they would use um it's actually push which is a um yeah, the push band which you put onto barbells um, measure and force velocities with the bars and yeah, yeah. vbt um also gym aware etc but we're just looking at something our, ourselves with potentially a couple of collaborations but right now i have keep, no keep that for another ca- podcast uh, yeah. yeah yeah just have the capacity to do it right now so um but we'll see listen greg that's a great way to wrap up thanks for a million for your time just i want to like genuinely from hearing your story and knowing your last couple of years a very humble guy incredibly hard working and i think myself Rudz and craig are absolutely genuinely blown away by what you've built here i wasn't expecting you know four three four warehouses full assembly lines manufacturing it's really really impressive so anyone who's thinking of getting in touch of fitting out their own gym or starting their own business or even their home gym the guys at black box are definitely worth getting in touch with uh, thanks very much for your time greg thank you very much guys cheers